Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Paez. Thanks for joining us. Now grab a cup of tea, sit back and relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. Rachel? Yeah. Welcome to this week's Wellness Pie Shop. It features you and me. (laughs) Honestly, not anything against our amazing guests that we have, but I'm going to be honest. I think these might be our favorite. This might be my favorite is when we just do you and me and we get to catch up on all the powerful and impactful things that our guests have said. Yeah. And it feels like there's been a lot lately. The last four or five episodes have been really astounding. I don't know if astounding is the right word, but to say impactful, I feel like that's becoming an old word. Yeah. And yet, and yet that's pretty much what it is. Enlightening. Um, Enlightening. Mm -hmm. Enlightening. They definitely feel Mm -hmm. like, I don't think smarter is what I'm looking for, but like, I definitely feel more knowledgeable. Maybe that's the Mm -hmm. more knowledgeable on like cultural awareness, I think has been a big theme in the last couple podcasts that we've done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe I'm just less ignorant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I think what is surprising to me is that for our two guests that were both, that are both immigrants, children, so first generation Americans, how similar their stories are and how different their stories are if that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Because I think about Jenny who is Vietnamese and her parents came over here from Vietnam and had a sponsor and they landed in Monterey. And then Anna Set whose mom came over, only her mom came over from Haiti and, you know, was summarily placed in jail or prison when she was 8 months pregnant and she, it's it's a really different story. But the expectations of them as immigrant offspring is really similar. Be a doctor, be a nurse, be a lawyer, be westernized, successful, right? Like there's this ideal. And I just found that to be really interesting. That they were so different. Yeah. I also think it's interesting too how I'm going to go back to, I think it was our second guest on our podcast and how she talked about like finding commonality or might've been our third, third guest on our, we're talking podcast. about, we're talking about Wendy, who was the mediator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she talked about like finding that commonality and like how that is the answer of like love and unity and how to kind of find this place of togetherness. And it's so crazy to me now looking at, you know, um, Jenny's story and Anna Seth's story and like thinking about also my cultural upbringing and, and how there's so many similarities mm. into this idea of what society is telling us is right. And it is to be quote unquote, you know, successful, financially successful, choosing things that make you financially successful. And right. I think it was not necessarily eye opening because I think I kind of like 
hurt it, but maybe more validating of like commonality in that everybody is trying for this one thing and you're not worthy to your culture, to your family, to society, if you don't achieve it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really validating to hear you know, I don't have the same stories that they do, you know, we're so different in that capacity, but yet what our family's drives were, were so similar that it, it just felt so connecting. Mm -hmm. And adding into that, um, Samaya's story as well, you know, her father being from the Philippines. Absolutely. He left home to become a doctor, but also the story about how they, how the family members got on this boat to nowhere and were just... (laughs) You know, kind of wasn't, wasn't that her story or was that Jenny's story? Now I'm, now I'm getting confused. That was Jenny's story. Her Jenny's story that took three times. It took three times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, it was, it was really nice to like, kind of hear the, the common ground that a lot of people in this, in this day and age are working through and those, those ideals that, you know, aren't, aren't the best. And I just think it's, (laughs) I think it's funny that we all ended up the same way, not choosing that, choosing the fluffy, emotional, you know, type of work. Um, and I, I just thought that was really, yeah, that was, that was really nice. And I, Anna Seth's podcast has come up a lot actually in my life recently since, since coming on and more specifically something that she has said, Something that uh, there, there's a few things that throughout our podcast have really stuck with me. And one thing that Anna said has, has stuck with me is that she meditates to let her thoughts come in. And that has been so profound in my life recently that I am just extremely grateful for that because in my practice of meditation, in my practice of yoga, it's all about silencing. It's all about quieting. And I being, having ADD, having all of these like hyper thoughts, it's so hard for me to silence them. And when she said what she did was like, oh shit, I could do something different. There could be a different style to how I process my emotions and give my emotions and my thoughts space. And it's actually something that I brought up to somebody else that I was talking to and I was facilitating a workshop. And that was something that we had talked about is when you are meditating, what would happen if you gave space for all of those thoughts to just come in and just be an observer of those. And that statement that she said in correlation with the North star analogy and how it's this constant, not that, um, not that that's what she said. That's what Doug said. Doug said, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what Doug said is this, this journey of never, you know, like you're always constantly trying to get to where the North star is, you know, and I, and I just love those two things together and how they applied for my life is like meditating in this capacity, but also having compassion that I'm not going to just be there right away, that it's going to be this journey over time. And I'm just really I'm just really grateful for those two things. I think that's, you know, you and I talk about how this podcast has really shifted a lot of the ways that we think, a lot of the ways that we show up in the world. And those two statements have really made such a profound impact on honestly how I view my brain. And I'm just really grateful for that. You know, one thing that struck me, Rachel, is that immigrants to the United States, and I'm making a huge generalization based on three 
stories. <laughs> and also what I read about and hear about in the news and stuff. People coming to the United States have a specific concept of success. And we here in our culture also have it because I can tell you when I was, I think, 18 in my freshman year in college, my dad asked me, what, what's your major? What, what are you going to major in? And I said, I was going to major in English. And he replied with, what a waste of humanity. <laughs> what a waste of humanity. He said, you are so smart. You could be a doctor or a lawyer, right? So those were the two things that he thought of. If you're smart, in order to be successful, you must be a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of, have some sort of occupation that is money-making. It yeah. doesn't matter if you don't like it. It doesn't matter if it's not fulfilling, if you have no passion for it. What matters is that you will be financially successful. And I think that that's a pervasive belief in our in American society. And I believe that people who are coming over here have bought into that as well. Yes. And that's why they come here. And I'm curious, again, going, you know, what, what do immigrants to different countries, what are their you know, are they, are they going to Germany with the same set of expectations, expectations or... and, and definition, definitions of success? Are they going, are they immigrating to Ireland or to Canada or to, you know, any place that anybody moves to any country? Well, it's funny because if you think about people who leave the United States, so this is like a total pop culture reference here, but I, I'm on TikTok <laughs> and a lot of the things that you see on TikTok are people who have moved not a lot of things. Some of the things that you see on TikTok are people who have moved to other countries. And almost what they do is they make a mockery of how we live in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it's more about like, you know, one of the things was about in Italy where it was like, you know, they, they just provide so much more that it doesn't become so much about the hustle of financial stability because in the United States, right. You have to make money even to just get healthcare. And, you know, you have to make money in order to keep yourself alive in order to afford food and for and, and that isn't always the case in, in other countries, not to say that there are not hardships in other countries. Yeah. Just, it, I, I just think it's interesting um, how that works. I agree. I think of, you know, every year they do the happiest country in the world and, you know, it's the Scandinavian countries, Finland or Denmark that are always in, at the top. It's freezing there. I mean, it's yeah. so cold. Yeah. And that would not be a place that I would think would be the happiest place on earth, especially when it's dark for, <laughs> for like the entire winter. They yeah. Hardly get any light. And, you know, I think about seasonal affective disorder and all the people who need to be out in the sun and all this, and yet somehow it doesn't affect them. Yeah. And when I've read different studies for in like Canada, for instance, people are much less anxious there and they're happier than people in the United States. Yeah. And what they have determined is that is because they don't need to worry about healthcare. Yeah, they exactly. To, right. So their basic needs are taken care of. Yep. We're such a materialistic and consumer yeah. society here. And yeah. I'm not, you know, I mean, that's all fine and good. I, it's not like I'm jumping out, jumping on a boat and moving. I mean, yeah. yeah. However, there were, there were points where I was close. There were points. I, 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 I'm not going to lie. When uh, our former president was elected, I seriously looked into emigrating to Canada. I thought I, I do mean, have a, a profession where it would be, you know, 
you'd be <laughs> fine. Well, I would Connor be okay. I, that they're, we thought be about when Connor was applying to residency and it was around the time of the election this past year. And we were getting a little worried. We were like, do we want to apply for residencies in Canada? Like, mm-hmm. is that, you know, that kind of thing. But I, and something else that I, it's popping up in my head too, is like around this topic that I think is one of the reasons I'm extremely grateful for the pandemic is this hustle culture has started to mm. be awakening, it like awakened where people are like, oh shit, I don't really want to hustle. This is not, I'm missing pieces of my life here because I am on the grind and I'm all I'm doing is working and making money and working and making money. And there's, there's something missing. And what the pandemic so beautifully did was required everybody to stop Mm -hmm. and rebuild their work life from a different perspective. And one that was more based in work-life balance. And I'm hoping that this is, you know, as we're moving into reopening and all that kind of stuff that that has been is going to be carried into this new mentality of of the United States of like work life balance is just as important as having that six seven figure paycheck you know because at the end of the day money doesn't money doesn't buy feeling present money doesn't buy feeling grateful money doesn't buy time with your kids all of that stuff is choice in how you in how you present yourself in the day and i feel like hopefully we are taking more of that mentality into this opening yeah that would be amazing wouldn't it i yeah right i i hate to be pessimistic but part <laughs> of, that would be that yes that would be amazing that is one outcome we can have and i'm yeah. not even going to I'm just going to leave it with that. Well, I think too, the, the the inevitable anyway is the generations that are coming up. So the teens, the teens now and the early 20 year olds are not going to work as hard as your generation did because there is, there is more importance to them of doing what they want instead of doing what they're told. I feel like is a much higher mentality among teenagers now because they're like, oh, well, my parents did this wrong. You know, like I don't want to work as hard as my parents who were then distant. And so I think I'm hoping that, you know, maybe our teens will. And I'm hoping it's not due to a a sense of learned helplessness because if right now younger people work and work and work and work and work, they still can't afford to buy a house in California. Yep. Yep. They still have student loans that are astronomical. And until those kinds of things are rectified, you know, maybe it's a a blessing in disguise that that's happening. I don't know. Uh, There's just such an equity. It's a challenge. And I can see why people would start to value something else because what their parents valued is not accessible to them. No. In many ways, unless you've got, you know, parents who currently own a house, it's that it's handing down wealth. Yeah. Right. Rather than uh, your average person who is not in the top 1% is unlikely to make enough money to be able to have a one salary home with a kid or two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think maybe I'm so optimistic because we have our podcast and I have these like amazingly enlightening conversations where I'm like, oh, 
yeah, look at these themes <laughs> that we're talking about and how great this is and mm-hmm. people are out there. And, and so I think that I think that that's also where my optimism comes from. I also think my optimism comes from, I'm currently that person. I am currently mm-hmm. the person being like, I'm not going to, well, I'm, I guess I made that decision a long time ago that I was not going to be that person that became a doctor, a lawyer or whatever. Yes, I did it by proxy and married a doctor, but I didn't choose that for myself. I chose the opposite. I chose the work-life balance being more important to me. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say to say that in my immediate friend group, which I don't have a lot of friends, but in my immediate friend group, I'm I'm a rarity. There is still a lot of, like you said, like student debt and fears of just debt in general and you know, we see now also people having children later and later because you can't afford to have kids, you know, like Connor and I are like, there's no way we're going to be able to afford to have kids in the next three to four years, you know? And so kids, kids are coming later. People are buying homes later. People are not able to make the, again, quote, adult moves that Mm -hmm. were a little bit more easier maybe back in the day. And so I think I'm just optimistic because like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just like, I'm doing it this way and I'm going against what society is telling me. But what our listeners don't know is like, I also have a lot of privilege on my side and there's a lot of things that make make it easier for me than most. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just optimistic. We should all just be happy. <laughs> Rainbows and butterflies. Yes. Uh, what I'm thinking, uh, as you're saying that it's, it's people are beginning to place value on other types Absolutely. of success. And when it, it's, it's the other definition of value, when we're talking about what values are and then people having what they actually value, not, not within themselves, but externally. It's, yes. Anyway, just a thought I had. No, I think that's very um, accurate. I think there's definitely a shift. I mean, look at our guests, right? Their parents had these one set of values and they chose mm-hmm. to have different set of values. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think the values of society as a whole, as a collective in age groups are starting to change as well. I think that again, I'm going to say what, like uh, for an example, like what COVID I think did so beautifully is, show the importance of human touch and interaction, which we were starting to really shift away from that and everything being extremely technology-based. Not to say that that isn't still a thing, but I think the being deprived of connection on a human level has really been shown. And I, I see it in my friend group, in my teenagers that I work with, in even younger kids that they are more driven now to make human-based connections versus technology-based connections. And so I think that, you know, things like that are also going to kind of start changing more and more. I will tell you, I will also be interested in when my kids grow up and someone says, what are your values and where do they come from? And how do those differ from your parents? I'll be very curious to see what that ends up being, you know? Did my, did, will they say, oh, my mom expected me to, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer. Did she expect me to have some high paying business job or be an engineer? I kind of think my younger son, (laughs) (laughs) he has the mind for it. It would be great. But you know, that's like my expectations versus their, their actual abilities and and desires. Um, So it'll, you know, 15 years from now, it'll be very interesting to do an interview with them to find out how they came to be where they are. 
today. Absolutely. And it was somebody had said to me about like rubber band parenting. So it's like, I don't know if you ever heard that term where it's like, I'm very different from my mother, very different from my father, almost to like the drastic extreme. And I'm going to raise my children very differently. And they say sometimes, right, if you're the extreme on the other side, generally your parents will rubber band to the other side and be more similar to like maybe what my parents kind Hmm. of were. Hmm. And I found that when you were talking about it, like expectations and in my head, I was like, oh, so like, what are my kids going to think? Because I know that like, I'm going to be the parent that's like, do whatever you want to do. Like if you want to go to college, great. If you don't want to go to college, great. If you want to get a job, great. If you don't want to get a job, great. Like, you know, I'm going to be like the freedom kind of parent. And I would imagine thinking about it, real-time processing as we love to do on this show, that that's (laughs) probably not going to be as beneficial to my kids as, (laughs) as I think it is in my head right now, because I could see how that freedom that I bestow can also leave them without structure in the same capacity of like, expectations. Like if my, if I have no expectations, then my children are going to have no expectations. And so you have to have that like fair line of, you know, I don't care what you are, but here's what you, here are some expectations that I require. And so I imagine my kids, you know, are either going to end up like my mother, which would, I hope not, or they'll, you know, end up in somewhere in the middle, which is like what I could hope, which one I could hope. I think it's something you said, it just like a light bulb just went off is when you ask your kids what values are, their immediate thing was how much does something cost? Mm-hmm. And when you apply that to what we talk about as values, right? It's what are you willing to do to essentially buy this value? Like, what are you willing to do in your life to live a life of that value? And it's almost applicable in the way of like, how much does it cost? How much does unconditional love cost? And for me, it costs, it costs toxic people. It costs bad relationships. It costs all of those things that I have to get rid of, spend, get, get out of my wallet in order to have that value in order to have bought that value. And I think I've never really thought of it like that until you, until their reaction was, it's how much things are worth, right? And how much things are worth. That's how that's much so- things are worth. And that's, that is exactly what, that is what it is. A value is, is how much are you willing to do to get this thing? What is the cost of your values? Yeah. Like what are the costs of your values? And I, and I, that's why I think having kids on this podcast would be great because they're coming from a place of like, their own workings and their own brain and what things sound like to them. And sometimes kids are so much smarter than we are because they don't have years and years and years of limiting beliefs and trauma and society and all of those things to cloud what is truly their own opinion. And or who that's they why, are, or who they, they are, or what they want to be, right? Or who they're growing into. Yeah, exactly. And I mm-hmm. just I think that's so valuable. <laughs> Look at that word. I think that's so um hard to get away from it, isn't it? Yeah. I I, I think it's it, we can just learn Worthwhile. so much from them. Yeah, <laughs> like we could just learn so much from them because we're like we could be dull crowns sometimes and they're like a fresh new box. So something something to look forward to in the near future of our podcast would be a little series on that, in addition to the regular weekly broadcasts that we're doing podcasts. I also want to applaud you for having that conversation with your kids. And I think that it's really helpful to our listeners. And that could be something that 
maybe you do also is like, how do you talk to your kids about this? You know, how do you come at it from a place of being a listening parent instead of a telling parent and being like, this is what it, you know, I can tell you from my experience with that short, this was maybe a three minute conversation (laughs) because I do have two severely ADD children and probably three. (laughs) And then there's their mom. That's also got some attention issues. It was, it's not easy because they don't want to talk about it. There's we're sitting around at the dining room table and all of a sudden mama comes up with, Hey guys, can you be quiet? Can you be quiet? Can you be quiet? Okay. Settle down, settle down, shut up. Right. I mean, (laughs) which is really just setting the foundation for a really (laughs) helpful conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it can be challenging at this age when there it's, it's not something that it's, you know, we don't normally sit at the table and talk about serious stuff. You know, the kids talk about my older son, Pokemon and what color, I don't even know. I can't even tell you just, you know, some shiny legendary or something. I don't even know what that means, but that's, I think it's, it's something saying. that's a beginning. It's a beginning. Yeah, exactly. This, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. You're almost howled and you're still <laughs> having this conversation. So I think what the, the lesson behind what you did is this is a conversation that should happen continuously throughout their life. Mm -hmm. And you should start it as early as, you know, the parent feels that they can have that conversation because it's going to be something that you revisit time and time and time again. And if you build the foundation of helping them understand what values, I mean, purely values are not just how much things cost, even though it's the analogy is yes, but you know, it's like giving them the definition of another type of value is this is such a great foundation for having that conversation later. Cause they know where if you didn't bring that up, when do you think they would have had that conversation? Probably not until they were in their late teens. If then, or if when they're then. 58 years old, like it was. Yeah. Here's the thing. We instill values in our children through proxy. Yeah. We don't tell them this is what we're, this is what we're doing. Right. Kids go to church and they learn about their faith. Yeah. Right. And when they go to Bible school, when they go, you know, their parents are at in regular, they're in church and the kids are at kid care. Like Sunday school. Like, thank you. They're in (laughs) Sunday school. Uh, And they're learning about their parents' faith. So they're being values are being instilled yeah. without even the kid knowing that that's what you're doing. And even if kids don't go to church, if your parents aren't the type that take their kids to church or go to church, I'm thinking of me. And one of the things that's so important to me to instill in my children is kindness. Yeah. Would you rather be kind or be right? And we talk about the golden rule. The golden rule is always treat others as you would want to be treated. That's been from the very get-go since they could, you know, start talking. And so we instill values in children immediately, but we don't talk to them about it when they're young. And we don't say, we don't give them the definition. We don't give them the language to understand what it is that we're teaching them. I think a cool thing that you now since you've had this conversation, what you get to do now is like when a, something comes up or a circumstance comes up and you're, you know, something happened between the kids, you get to ask the kid, well, what value do you think is present in this, you know, in this scenario? And it could be like, you know, like, let's say they have a fight with their friend and they're like, well, why, you know, why isn't this working? What value do you think is not 
happening in this thing. And most likely what, you know, the example in my head is they're not being kind. Mm-hmm. And then automatically put the correlation of value and kindness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that can be such a helpful tool, I think, in educating kids as they grow up is helping them identify what values are by taking what's happening in their lives and helping them figure out what value that represents for them. Right. And it's interesting because I'm thinking, oh, adventure, right? Yeah. Um, and how that, you know, you could say, oh, well, obviously you value adventure. It's important to you. This is, yeah. or being authentic. It's okay to be yourself. Cause I, I think of my older son who struggles with authenticity Yeah, and, and I know it hurts him, but this is, you know, this is that, that moment when I've got to back off and I can't tell him who he is. Yeah, He has to discover that for himself. And, you know, frankly, I, I don't know because yeah. I have what I think the story that I make up is X, Y, Z, which may not may come not, to pass. May not be. And yeah. even if it does, it's his story to write, not mine. So I also think too, I'm trying to think back as like a kid. And like, I think I knew what, I think I knew what values my parents had. And like, I think I knew like, again, like we talked like financial stability and class and all that stuff were values. And I, I knew that as a kid. And I think something that is beautiful about this podcast and what it's taught me and what it's therefore going to teach my kids is you can have an unlimited value. You can have a limited number of values. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so freeing because we live in a world where, you know, like you can only have one emotion at a time or one thing's a priority and all of that stuff. And what this podcast has really taught me is that your value, your, the, the priorities of your values can be endless. You know, you can want authenticity, adventure, kindness, unconditional love, you know, all of those um, connection, all of those things, they can all be as important as each other instead of one has to be the most important or you're only allowed to have four. And like, I remember that in my first podcast is like, well, I think I have three and like, I'm working on the four. And I realized through this whole journey is like, I have a ton of values and that's okay. And it's okay to have them. And honestly, if you have more values, you're more likely to have a more fulfilling life. Well, it's giving space yeah, for change yes. and giving space. There, there might be more dominant, like I can speak for myself and I can say, yeah, I have a lot of values. Many things are important to me, but what's most important and what most affects me when I'm not in those values are kindness, compassion, fairness, and equity. Those are the things that really hit home. Yeah. Like your core values, your core values. And then there are sort of the auxiliary (laughs) adjunctive (laughs) values that, that are important and that make my life richer. Yeah. Like adventure and no humor is pretty much a core value for me. (laughs) I have to laugh, (laughs) you know, some of the other values that we've heard on, on the podcast. And again, it's going back to giving the language to people to be able to express who they are, what is important to them and how that plays out in their life, both when they are living within their um, values and when they're not, because we're not always going to be, you know, like, like Doug said, it's that it's the North star. This is who, this is who I want to be, but you know, and I, I also think another cool thing about children growing up with help identifying their values and identifying how they live, I think it's going to be backed up what, you know, Wendy said is like, you're going to be able to find commonality with mm-hmm. somebody who has a completely different upbringing. If you share the same value, it, 
if you share the same value, it doesn't matter if your parents are immigrants. It doesn't matter the class difference. It doesn't matter the race difference. It's such a, it's such a connector. And I think if we can start that building of connection from a value standpoint within kids into their teens, I think we're going to have more unity in our, in our collective. Yeah. I, I think we can teach our children to be, you know, right now this, our country is very divided and it's an us and them sort of thing. And when we live from our values, our values might be different from someone else's. Our culture may be different from someone else's, but there's also such similarities. You've got somebody coming over from Vietnam whose desires are the same as somebody who's been living here and their family has lived here for generations. Yeah. What Your skin might look different. The food you might eat is different but the desire, the desire to be true to oneself, it goes, it's across the board. There's that commonality. So it's, I, I like to use my son as an example because he's never met a stranger. Right. And he says, I always say he loves everyone. It's like, you have a mom. Oh, I have a mom too. We have moms. Let's be best friends. Right. That's just kind of how he is. And it, it's true. You have a mom. I have a mom. That's, you know, whatever form your mom takes, even if you have two dads, you know, it's still, yeah. you've, got, you've got someone, we all came from somewhere. So yeah, I love that. That's cute. Yeah. I just, rate. I'm just really, I mean, how long have we been doing this podcast for? This will be our 18th one. <laughs> and I just feel like the way I conduct myself and the way that I, my brain thinks now is so much different than what it was the right. first podcast. And right. what honestly, what my expectations were for this podcast were so different because now it doesn't feel like an interview podcast, which is like how we had kind of started is we were going to interview these people. And the more we do it, the more it is just a learning experience for everybody not just the people that are guests on our podcast, because what's so amazing about them is they're so vulnerable that they're processing in real time and we're processing in real time. And it just becomes this knowledge that is being shared between people who come from such different walks of life. And I think that it's better than I could have ever expected it to be. And it's more heavy in how it, like we said in the beginning, right? Impact is a word, but it is, it's so much heavier in how it impacted. It impacts me more than I thought it becomes, it has changed my brain. It has changed the way that I navigate people, things, myself. I'm like very interested in like on our hundredth episode, what am I going to be saying? And like, what am I going to be, how am I going to be presenting myself in that space? Because I'll have had a hundred conversations with people who are changing me. Yeah. I think it has injected, we injected my brain with creative stimuli. Mm. What I have found since doing this podcast is it's re it reignited my creativity that has been pushed, that I've been pushing aside for a long time. And I find it coming out in numerous ways. In this podcast, I'm able to be more creative at work um, with the work that I'm doing 
with you on the equine therapy and putting things together. I mean, it's turbocharging it. And I have all these other ideas and it's, it's, uh, they're coming together. And I think that not only what we talk about is helping, but I, I, I think too, I, I want to say the success of the podcast and clearly having seven listeners, some people might not be, <laughs> might not define as success, but those seven listeners are really, because you noticed I bumped it up from the six because we, I think we now have seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someday we'll have 10 and that will be a cause for celebration. I think we need to like have some sort of party for that. But um, the fact that the feedback that we get is so positive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have heard numerous times that we really have something here. And I think that stimulates my creativity because I want to continue. I want to continue to have something here Yeah, and have it be a place that people enjoy coming that people enjoy participating in and that I continue to to enjoy participating in and that you continue to enjoy participating in as well. So it's, yeah, it has really stoked my creativity. And I, I, I love that. I love that because it's been dormant for so long and I've missed it. Probably because you're learning about a value. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, cause you're learning, you're learning about a value, but or, I think you- or relearning it in my case. I mean, I knew that, that creativity has always been really important. You take those tests, you know, and I'm like, I'm left-handed I'm creative, <laughs> <laughs> but true. I find myself more and more over to sort of the center there in my, in those personality things. It's like, but ah. I think, you know, you said, you know, our seven listeners and, and the feedback that we get, the feedback that we get is because it's so real, you mm-hmm. know, it's not like Connor listens to Dax Shepard's podcast mm-hmm. and it's great. Dax Shepard's podcast is just really amazing. And he has like literally every single human being under the sun is on this podcast. And <laughs> what Connor, well, I haven't been on it yet. So yeah, I'm right? a human being under the sun. Yeah, we might we not might not be on that level yet, but soon. But what he does is similar, not talking about values, but it's a conversation. It's a real conversation. And that's what Connor likes about it is is Dak Shepard's podcast in our podcast, but Dak Shepard's that it's a real conversation. And I think that's the same thing that our 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 listeners like about our podcast is it's just so organic and it's so real that it feels like you, you know, us, it feels like we are people that you are getting to know and learning, honestly, really vulnerable and kind of like hidden things about us. And and I just, I think that uh, I'm going to give us a little tap on the back because we don't do this enough is that that's us. That's what we bring to this podcast is that you and I are just genuinely authentic people that want stimulation in all different forms. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Look at us. We both said something nice about ourselves. (laughs) Yes. As hard as that is. Yeah. Right. But I am, I'm excited for like the guests that we have coming up. And I also am really grateful that a lot of our conversations that we've been having are very current in what's happening in our country and with race and inequality and justice and to have a thread of impactful people who get to educate us and get to, um, share in what they've experienced, I think is really powerful. And I'm just, I'm grateful because it's, it's so current, current day stuff. I think what you just said there, it it made me consider for a moment that 
one of the things that we bring to our listeners is a recognition that what is going on is important Mm. because I think that we don't value the impact that we have on others. And by having your run of the mill, you know, these aren't famous people that we're having on. And even if they are famous people, maybe someday, um, (laughs) they're still people. And we all have fears and insecurities and it's okay. It's a space where people can come to the table say, this is important to me and be heard. Yeah. And our listeners now have a place to hear that they're not alone. Yeah. They're exactly. not, they're not the only ones who are struggling or trying to make sense of things or not perfect. I'm, you know, this is my value, but I'm not living my value. Well, guess what? Yeah. Lots of us are, you know, that that's happening to a lot of people, but that doesn't mean that you can't keep going. And yeah. it doesn't mean that it's not important. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to eventually get to a better space and be closer in alignment with who you want to be. And that's the value of the podcast, right? I mean, I think that's so, I think that's so true. And I think back to um, Doug's, Doug's podcast. And when we were talking about social workers and like how, you know, people can be put on pedestals. And Mm. when you look at social media and you look at fame or you look at, you know, recognition, you, you're, placed on a pedestal. And then everybody's like, well, I just want to be that. I just want to be there because they're there and they got it. And I think what this podcast does is brings everybody down to a human level. Mm-hmm. Nobody's there. And Nobody's if they're there. there, guess what? Once they're you're not up, there. <laughs> well, and even if, I mean, how many times has this happened? I can speak for myself. Like once I get my master's degree, this is, you know, I'm, that's it. I'm there. I'm, I'm going to be where better. I want to be. And yet yeah. you get there and it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to run 2,440 miles in one year. That's going to be, and then I'm going to be, I'm just, yeah. And I get there and it's like, Oh, what a letdown because I'm not there. That's a huge mountain. Yeah. And what's next. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so again, it's so easy to say it's not about the journey. I mean, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And yet we still focus on, I will speak for myself. I still focus on the destination. I still focus on the destination. (laughs) And I I think to tie it back to, you know, some of our other guests and their values and their cultural values is that's, that's what a lot of people are, is driven to the destination. When I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be financially stable and everything's going to be fine and there's not going to be any issues. Or when I leave this person, it's going to be amazing. Or if I'm married or if I have kids, it's all of these things that pushes us to just think, oh, well, there's a point where we need to be. And I think you said it per- perfectly that this podcast, we have these amazingly insightful and enlightened people on this podcast who tell you, I am not perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't have this down to a science. I have a game plan on how I like to go about it, but that doesn't always work. And yeah, I just, I think that's, that's a good point. In some ways, this podcast is like a therapy session. Yep. (laughs) Right. Not just, I mean, it's as much for me as it is for our guests or for you or anything, because we can be vulnerable. We can be real in ways that when you're hanging out with your friends, you know, sitting around dinner, you might not be, um, these conversations don't come up very regularly. Absolutely. I embrace them when they do. And that's what I, I mean, it's just, it's so cool that I get to have these conversations on a regular basis and I don't have to wait for them to come up organically out there when they do about every eight to 10 months or something. If that, thank you for, thank you for holding space for that because it's been great for me. It's been great for me. Thanks for creating this space. 
I wouldn't have done it without you. So, well, thank you for another episode of the wellness pie shop. And I'm excited for the future. I am too. I am too. I'm excited for some of the guests that we have coming up a little bit earlier. I think we've got some really interesting folks that have been able to focus their values in ways that are different. And I think that's going to be really interesting to listen to and talk about, talk about. I agree. Well, we'll see you next week on the wellness pie shop. See you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 